Hello everyone, welcome back to the Karakud Mehreen show. I'm so excited about today's guest. He is a pioneer in the new media space here in the UAE. He's transformed the way we consume our content here in Dubai. He's made us love Dubai even more by creating love in Dubai. He's an innovator, a leader, a CEO. He's the CEO of Augustus Media. Let me please welcome Richard Fitzgerald. Great to be on uh, Karak and I have the Karak here with Marine. Even the logo as well. So nice to be on your podcast. Yes, have, I'm very happy that you're here. It's very, very exciting. And um, I wanted to talk about a couple of different topics today in this conversation. I wanted to start with uh, going to a little bit on the entrepreneurship space and how that's been like before moving into media and how um, how media influences our perceptions. So to start off, um, just generally, how has your entrepreneurial journey been like? How do you feel so far about everything that you've you've done so far? I saw a video of you talking about how you've always had this entrepreneurial spirit in you. So I just want to just start off by asking you how that journey's been. Yeah, I mean, all the stereotypes about entrepreneurial life, they, you know, we tick all the boxes. Okay. <laughs> I, I resonate with them all, like the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the rock uh -huh. bottoms, the uh, sort of like all the different challenges, the restfulness at different stages, even now, you know, all the cliches like, you know about always being day one and always building and all these sort of things uh yeah i i started this business in 2015 uh so i was 32 and i'd been 10 years in agencies and workforces and in those 10 years i always had ideas to set up my own business and i also felt that i was setting entrepreneurial i was being an entrepreneur within large multinationals because i was building business units and learning pnl and hiring so i was kind of scratching that itch but i wasn't doing it for myself but uh i didn't really you know for me being an entrepreneur isn't necessarily uh doing it for yourself it's just it's it's the challenge of figuring things out and you can do that within an organization and you can do that the for yourself as well like for now i you know, I feel like I'm an employee. I, I employ myself, but I act and behave like an employee. And uh, so even though I'm an entrepreneur, uh, I still think I'm just a business person, uh, not necessarily an entrepreneur per se, mm -hmm. but yeah. That's a very interesting perspective of how you said that you always feel like you're still an employee, even if you're employing yourself. And I think that mindset kind of builds discipline in you as well to to think that you know i'm an employee of this company so i need to work every day i need to commit do you think that that helps in creating discipline that type of mindset yeah the discipline is just a prerequisite like you won't you won't succeed long term without True. discipline like people can get exits and people can get uh, successes without discipline but you won't really build something meaningful over a long time uh, even even within organizations, but definitely as an entrepreneur. And uh, yeah, the employee thing helps. I, You know, an employee, though, could could have discipline for nine to five and they could have, you know, they can uh, maximize the benefits of uh, being in the what is often spoken about here in the corporate world where you get perks and benefits and things like that. Mm -hmm. But that's not really enough when you're, you know, I, now we're managing, like we have 80 employees, we're in 11 countries with five offices, 
we have 205 social media platforms that we manage ourselves Crazy. and like so you know and we'll do over 10 million dollars in revenue this year so for me to be an employee isn't enough i have to go further like i have to not take holidays i have to work six days and more a week but i have to do it in a way that's sustainable and that's disciplined and i, I don't get burnout and i'm able to sort of keep going in this way and people will question different things but I think uh, the beauty of business and the beauty of this is that you can find what works for you yeah yeah I think first of all congratulations on everything that you've done it's absolutely crazy and so cool and you, before this you were mentioning stereotypes and you're saying that there's a lot of stereotypes with entrepreneurship and it, you've ticked all the boxes but um, one of the stereotypes is the glorification of entrepreneurship as well on social media this idea that you know you should quit your nine to five and only when you when you start your own business that's what success is what do you think of that mindset I know you are an entrepreneur of course you you must enjoy it a lot but there's a lot of challenges to it. But what do you think of this idea of glorifying um, leaving your nine to five to be an entrepreneur? I don't believe in it. I don't believe in this. People say I left the corporate world. No, like the what? what is this phrase? What is this thing? Like, what is this image? Influencers keep talking about it, especially in Dubai. And, you know, I, I just don't agree with it. Like, I, I, I didn't leave the corporate world. I'm an employee, yet I own my business. So what what is this leaving the corporate world thing, you know? And uh, so, and then the other thing is that I, I, you know, there are no shortcuts, right? And if, if something is glorified on social media that you can get an exit, you can raise money, uh, there are no shortcuts. Yeah. Like, and if there are, it's borderline fraud. Like, you know, <laughs> if you're selling a dream and the dream doesn't happen and you make a few million on the way up and you get out at the right time, that's speculation. Right. Like that. There's no substance in that. And good luck to people who do it. But it's just not for me. And, you know, when, when I uh, started this business, I wrote down a mission to be the preferred media company choice in the Middle East and North Africa. And I, I knew it was a decades long building uh, approach. And, you know, we're not even in the first decade. And I could I, I could think it might take five, six, seven, eight decades to do. And uh, so so where's the glory where's the glory where's the exit there where's the you know it's not it's a building project yeah. it's a vision it's a it's a plan and uh so yeah i don't i don't necessarily think that it's about uh leaving the corporate world or glorifying an exit because i don't think there's shortcuts i think uh when when, when i started it out i kind of thought okay well i was working in social media for 10 years and i saw all these tech platforms growing up and I thought, I, you know, I w could have thought, oh, will I go work for them or will I go build one? But what I kind of decided in the end was that, like, you know, working for them is uh, it's just sort of like you're just a cog or, you, you know, I, I didn't really aspire to live my life spending 20, 30 years working under a CEO who's 20, 30 years younger than me. And it's like a tech company or whatever. Uh, sure, the, 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 there's free food in the canteen and there's like inspiring talks every now and again. And there's like the best benefits in the world. Right. But um, that wasn't the life that I wanted. It was a bit too cushy. And uh, and then the other side is, would I want to build one of those tech platforms? And when I when I left sort of the global media company, entity thing on their WPP that I was with. I briefly was with a funded tech startup. Uh, I was MD of that while I was setting up Love in Dubai. And um, 
I didn't like the fact that it was all about burn rate and raising money and losing money. Like it, it just didn't sit ethically well with me. This idea of like let's just uh, let's just burn through cash. So uh, I thought we you need to make money from day one, right? Or, or as close to possible. You, that's a business. What is a business if you're spending money? That's not a business. So uh, so when when we defined it as a a new media company and some of the young people who work for us say hey rich it's new media therefore we can work anywhere and i'm kind of like no i mean that it's a media company like but it's just a new one right like so <laughs> if you set up a law firm today then you can specialize in cyber crime and uh digital and uh, asset regulation all the different stuff but you're still a practice lawyer that bills by the hour or whatever right the other option is a, a legal at tech platform mm -hmm. so what we decided to do is build a media company that was built on our devices like text audio and video and for this millennium like we that's that was our choice we didn't pick radio we didn't pick tv uh we didn't pick uh prints we picked digital so uh but everything else is boring old media company it's nine to six it's uh, tough long hours ish and it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's not as bad as they say but it's like but you know it's like so you have that independence, but it's still a, it's a meaningful business, uh, but there is no uh, perceived glory in it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this whole idea of glorification, as you said, it's kind of like glorifying a shortcut, but that shortcut doesn't actually exist. Why do you think it's harmful to have to to succumb to these to these ideologies that you can get into entrepreneurship that it's a shortcut shortcut? Why do you think that can be harmful? It, uh, well, it is harmful because uh, it's like anything in shortcuts. It's like, you know, if you want to lose weight, now there's all these GLP-1 drugs or whatever. And uh, that they're shortcuts and they have ramifications. Yes. And, you know, people shouldn't use them, in my opinion, right? Like, yeah. unless you really, unless you medically need them, right? And it's just like in, in business, like, you shouldn't take shortcuts, really, because it, often it's ethically, it sets uh, bad principles and examples and it's like cheating in an exam right like you know the only way to get good marks in an exam is to study just to study, right yeah. and the yeah. only, <laughs> only way to build a business is to put in the hours you know um but having said that like you know the you just have to make decisions right like you have to go okay if i'm setting up a restaurant uh, or anything like there's the you know it, it, you can know if people like it or not you know and you have to kind of decide whether to stick, whether to change and things like that as well. Yeah, yeah. I think um, when you were talking about new media and getting into the new media space, I think new media is definitely a, a really cool industry that's booming because it is, as you said, it's at the touch of our buttons, like it's at the touch of our fingers. So why, why do you think um, new media has become something that's, um, that's, that's, so popularized that's become something so accessible what what do you think is the significance of new media there are massive significance one of which is this chat right now right like uh podcasting creator economy there's just it's total it's total disruption of an industry yes at the same time it's still the same industry it's still content it's just been democratized yeah. it's, the walls have been broken down uh, the old business models, the, the the walled gardens, the whole control is gone. 
and uh, but it's still a media, it's still a media business. It's still the same thing, right? Like we're creating content just like the radio did, and there's someone. This is the media, uh, and then that we're talking. That's media, and then the medium is the way the person listens to this. So whether they listen to it uh, through a, a podcast app or or whether they see a cut of this on a streaming service and distribution, uh, it's the same thing. So the, so you have to just understand the parameters around that. And you have to understand, well, where do you fit into this? And is there a role for a media company today? And it's a really hard one because lots of modern media companies that built on top of Facebook, like the, the sort of um, the new media companies like BuzzFeed and these sort of ones, they've struggled, right? And they've it's been much sort of written about in their demise, right? But part, part you know, there's different reasons for that, but like they have to find their place in, in this new media world. And uh, I do think that creators will who focus on media will become media companies. So they will need studios and editing and distribution, right? So I think that's one way of thinking of it. But the other way I always tell our team is that we're swimming against two currents, right? Like we've got the platforms, the TikTok and the Facebook and all these platforms are Spotify or uh, yeah, any, any device or even apps and then aggregated apps like for news and, and that. And then on the other side, there's the creators. There's the, I think... Um, I think there's what's the number? How many how many people use TikTok? I think something like two billion people use TikTok, and eight hundred million of them create content. Creative. So if there's eight hundred million people creating content, then that's no longer uh, a Disney, right? Like the one content creator or whatever. So yeah. uh, so it becomes really really hard to find that voice and and find your your play in the world and some people lean heavily into premium content and it works for them mm-hmm. uh, and other people go heavily into niches and they go into like newsletters or they go into podcasts or they and you know uh, what we've tried to do with the love and brand is to do local news in a way so we still want to provide utility like the app wants to tell you the weather and the prayer times and uh, you know the traffic information. Like we still want to provide that local news because yeah. I think there's a there's a need for that. There's always a need, yeah. And then and then we also want to sort of uh, be that be the curator underneath the creators, as in uh, the creators are the artists. Yet someone has to put on the exhibition and someone has to have the gallery and pick what goes where and to make sense of it all and to tell stories around it. And we, we you know, our style is non-scripted, so we're in the fast social news publishing style. Uh, and something like this is what I would call slow news. So it's it's kind of like, you know, you, you've done I think. 22 episodes and you've you've dropped 12 and like they drop every week and I think when you're in that sort of cadence and frequency uh you know it's a different style like you're you're competing for someone's attention uh once a week for 30 40 minutes but if you're competing for their uh their average dwell time on a mobile phone screen you know those sessions per day and those 60 sessions 60 seconds sessions or whatever and the the you know the thumb stopping moments then how do you design your content yeah. and That's what 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 media is now is you know it's figuring out whole all these things interplay with each other yeah. like all these decisions that you know you even mentioned at the start of the show or before we started that you know do we cut up th- clips and things like that and people are really figuring this all out right like and it's all very messy right the word podcast has connotations but it's actually evolving even more right like it's it's actually 
you know, it's a TV show. Like if you're if you're selling a book now and you're doing a book tour, the PR publishing houses in the UK and the US or wherever, they get you uh, interviews on the biggest podcasts because they know that that's more likely to uh, sell the books than uh, uh, a show appearance on Ellen DeGeneres or whatever, if she still has her show, I don't know. Yeah, but I uh, I think you're right in terms of how media has evolved has evolved so much including podcasts you know before it was primarily audio based now people are moving into video based and it's and even the purpose of podcasts is evolving so there's so much so much so many changes that we are witnessing and one of them is also because of competition and as you were saying like there are like 800 million tiktok creators that that creates a huge sense of competition and so do you think that this kind of competition in the media space especially new media can lead to bad content can lead to bad media being produced just for the sake of producing that media so for example a lot of media companies just because it's a trend just because there's competition they uh they tend to create content that doesn't necessarily go with their values but just because that's what the audience wants to see or that's what the world is wants to see what do you think of that yeah i think there's a few things in that like sometimes it's what are the incentives are you are you trying to put something out there just to get page views video views or growth and that's risky yeah uh you know at the very early days of love in dubai we would we were chasing page views and it led us to decisions that were more about page views than about uh, not necessarily ethical journalism or finding the tr- truth because I, I don't we didn't set this business up to be the truth bearers and I, I personally believe that that's more t- you know to do with the law and mm-hmm. I don't think that's the role that we do like what we want to do is uh, is tell emotive engaging stories and bring things to light you know under the love and lens and love and life that we want to do um but but like definitely there was a point where we kind of said well we could incentivize our journalists to get high numbers and we consciously didn't do that you know we consciously don't give rewards for page views we can't, yeah we keep an eye on them like you keep an eye on your customers or your revenue so we we understand where our audience is yeah uh, but we don't necessarily make decisions uh, just to chase numbers, and because I think companies uh, in elsewhere have had pitfalls on this, and we've learned from their mistakes, exactly. and I don't want to go down that path. Yeah. Uh, now, at the same time, with fast social publishing, sometimes it looks like we're going fast. It looks like we're making decisions just for numbers, but actually, I think that we're not designed that way, and that's just a default of there is no deadline anymore. You know, it's not like wait for the print deadline and you get everything ready all week and you have 10 editors to check copy before it goes out. Like when I say there is no deadline, I mean, there is no deadline. <laughs> like, it's not like oh, it's not like five minutes. No, like it's that's that's too late. Like it's like how fast can you go? So uh, and we design around that as well. So I think um, and then the other side of it is, yeah, I mean, like when when uh, when everything becomes abundant and when everything's commoditized and when everything's cheap to do sure you're going to get some crap right like you know the the, if you invest more and more in content if you put talented uh people who have uh who have had careers and who have uh you know copywriters script writers like the work that they produce can be amazing right like the can be the most talented work in the world like whether it's theater whether it's movies whether it's 
uh, spectacular books. Like it could, they can be life changing. Content can be life changing, uh, and then it can be crap. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Uh, but at the same time, you know, like the 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 beauty of it is going back to what we were saying. It's it's all there aren't kind of no rules right like it's all you know who's to say what is who's the what's the word like who's the holder of this truth like who's to say what is good content now and i think that's what's made uh people blow up on tiktok or on youtube is that this sort of relatable direct content can be really good as well uh so yeah yeah i think it's it's an interesting idea to think that content can have so many different forms like there's no as you were saying there's no right or wrong way it's just a way that may work for you or may not and so some content that's more relatable has worked some content that's more like educational has worked so i think that's the beauty of content as you were saying that it can take all these different forms which is very interesting um especially as our times are moving and evolving um one thing that I wanted to know more about that I was curious about was b- before you moved here you, you I believe you worked in the UK right so how do you how do you compare the landscape there versus here in terms of like the working environment in terms of the media space what do you think of of that Yeah I I I graduated in 2006 and I worked in Dublin Ireland until 2009 and I worked in London until 2012 so when I came here, I was 28, and uh, the years that I had in Dublin and London were in my 20s, and they were, I liked being in those cities at that time. I liked sort of running around the city on my bike, like just figuring out, going to art galleries, going to football games, uh, you know, almost living an extended student life. I didn't have much money, and I was packing my own lunch and stuff like that. Uh, so when I, when I got here, it was a different life, right? Yeah. Like I, w- I had a bit more money, I was driving and all this sort of stuff. Uh, so there's definitely a difference in my experience. Uh, but at the same time, in terms of the markets, uh, it's like any emerging economy. It's uh, when when the total sum of the parts are less, then the total number of experts in that market are less. Yeah. So when you've got in London, it was the same with, with Dublin to London. In London, you had way more sophisticated uh, number of people working in specialist areas. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I remember I was working in Dublin, I think I had 10 or 11 uh, clients on my roster. I had three people on the account service team. And of those clients, we did email marketing, we did social media, we did banners, ads, like when display was big, we built widgets and apps, we built games for Coca-Cola, like there was nothing, we did production shoots, there was nothing we didn't do in digital. And then I joined a, what became the biggest social media agency in the world in London, and I had one, account, one client, a client and one account. And uh, I was just like, hang on, like I'm, I'm kind of bored here, right? Like I had, I had all these things that I was doing, and then I was doing, one. doing one. But, yeah. but when, when there's more money in digital in London, they were able to hire more people yeah. for each thing. So they were able to divide the work yeah, more. And, yeah, and it goes down to the statistic of like back then, 10% of total media budgets in Ireland were spent on digital. And in London, it was 30, 40%. And when I came to Dubai in 2012, it was about 10%. Now it's 50, 60. And some, some clients spend 100% of their marketing budget on digital. Oh. Right, and that's in 10, 11 years. So basically now, when you look around, uh, agencies can have... Anyone working in marketing or content can uh, have skills for different areas. And also, 
the reality is is that these skills keep evolving. You know, back then SEO was important. Now prompts for AI are important. AI <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how much you've evolved, right? Yeah, I think. Um, talking about media and the evolution of media and how much we're we're investing a lot more in the digital space now com- when you compare um before like 10 years and now um but it's also dangerous because media can have a good can result in good consequences and bad and so it really depends on the in- what you are what content you're producing what is it that you're trying to say in the, in that content and so i think media can has been used to manipulate people it's been used to brainwash people it's been used for all types of things so what do you think of this dangerous side of media this side of manipulation when it comes to media uh it's obviously bad like i don't agree with it and it goes back to um you know th- I, I see can I see business as good. You know when some people say uh like in Arabic uh shuggle shuggle or, or business is business and it's mm-hmm. like a it's like Machiavellian like the end justifies the means. Like that's that's just bad branding yeah. for business because my worldview is that business can uh bring prosperity to people's lives and it can make dreams come true. It can provide families, it can provide uh you know health and, and and lots of different things so i think business i i believe in the capitalism is a net good i believe in the positivity side of capitalism and if you if you run a media company like that then uh you're obviously trying to to do good with business right like uh, of the 80 people who work for us like i know how many dads there are and how many kids there are and how many of those kids have been going through school because of what our business is generating in Dubai, in a city that created the economy, we didn't create the economy, right? Like we're just playing a role here, but like we're sort of navigating ourselves. So first and foremost, there's that side of it. And then there's, if you start off in a place like that, then uh, your agenda isn't something uh, manipulative or your, your, your agenda doesn't become something else, right? You're and it also depends on the brands that you create. Like the brands that we created, we, we decided to create mindset brands rather than, uh, you know, in the past, publishing houses might have had brands based on subjects, whether mm-hmm. it's, um, whether it's you know, a vertical like automotive or sports mm-hmm. or whether it's uh, like a gender type brand or a cause-related brand or an ethnic-related brand or whatever. And uh, we decided to create mindset brands. So Lovin is a mindset brand. And people go, oh, who's your age group? I'm, I say, well, well I kind of know from the stats, but we're actually trying to appeal to everyone who has this mindset of YOLO, love and life, you know, a a little bit of a meme, a little bit of a joke, but actually kind of also wants to stay in touch with the world and wants to know where to travel, what to do, where to go, right? So that's love and life. It's positive. It's populist. It's mainstream. And then the the second brand, Smashy, uh, S-M-A-S-H-I with the mallet, right? That brand the tagline is for the driven, the dreamers, the doers. And that's built on the mindset uh, that there's a young cohort of people in the Middle East and North Africa who want economic prosperity, right? And from, because I was working in a social media agency and we had clients uh, with 13 offices across the region. And my job was to go to all of these countries from Tunis to Egypt, to Iraq, to Kuwait, to Bahrain, to Jordan, and to talk to these clients and then uh, to 
create Facebook pages for them, right? And to build content calendars for them. And we did it cheaply in an office. I built a, a department in Beirut. So I hired like 30 trilingual graduates to make the to make economics them. work. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, there's every mistake that can happen there. Dialects, working hours, uh, you know, we, all sorts of things. Lots of lessons learned. But the the experience of, of traveling the region, seeing people... Uh, meant that I thought, okay, well, let's try and create a brand for that. So we're, so we're actually trying to celebrate people's successes, right? So, uh, but, you know, like, going back to the question, yeah, like, there is, but I think, um, I think it's up to us to be discerning enough to educate ourselves enough to have our own view. And what's happening a lot on social media now is that we have access to information, but we're not necessarily in control of our emotions. And we sort of get triggered and we sort of jump in and we let we let that information manipulate us rather than the other way around, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's, a, that's a, you know, rather than saying, oh, the media is bad. Well, yeah, but you, you have a responsibility as well, you know? Like, you, you have a responsibility not to harm others with your toxic behavior online, not to bully others, not to... And, and you can control a lot of what you consume, right? So uh, rather than playing the victim all, all the time and saying media is bad, media is bad as well, right? Like, well, so is so. There's lots of substances that are bad. Just don't take them, right? Like, <laughs> but there's plenty of media that's good, right? Yeah. Like when, you know, I, I'm a little bit dyslexic. I never make it as an excuse. I don't really talk about it. But I I don't read so fast, right? And uh, like I, I reread pages and I kind of digest content, but but audiobooks were like massive for me, right? And I do a lot of triathlon, so when I'm training, running, or cycling, I'm consuming audiobooks. audiobooks and like apps like Audible and then Goodreads and like I, I now have I now have a like a, like real kind of book strategy. Like I really have a, a plan around how I consume books. Like mm-hmm. I have a rotation of the different type of books that I go for. There's three types of books and I, and I go one, 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 one. And I go through it and I have a, a goal each year. And that's me believing that knowledge compounds and that media is good. And I'm deciding what, what brainwash to- manipulates my brain positively. Uh, I'm doing it with intent, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, maybe, maybe some of the stuff that goes in like throws me off. Like I'm, I, I'm still. I think I read it two years ago, but I'm still getting over the book *Sapiens*. Right? I'm, that's still. <laughs> that's still sort of that's like <laughs> you know, like so, you know, sometimes like you, you're still trying to go. Okay, wow. Okay, you know, you're still trying to figure things out. But that again, like the consciously is trying to sort of digest that and understand that as well. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point that um, we we can play the victim mentality where we blame media. But the thing is that media will always exist. It's going to exist uh, whether we like it or not, whether we like the bad media side or not. But it's always going to be there. And as you said, Al, there's lots of substances that's that's there, but it's up to you to use them or not. And so it's it has a lot to do with individual choices and how we consume um, even though it can be still tricky in the sense that um, in the sense that it's become do you think it's become a little difficult to find reliable information now especially with the advent of um, creating content through AI which has also misled people a lot because uh, AI content seems so real but then you find out that it's created by AI and so on so do you think that it's become increasingly difficult to find um, reliable information. Yeah, like going back in the day before AI and before uh, fake news and that, like there was still 
propaganda and media that had an agenda to yeah, get yeah. I mean, information right and then now with this problem is a problem like the the ai and deep fakes and uh you know the, like it always comes up around u.s elections and all this sort of stuff right like it's definitely a problem uh i i'm kind of happy that it, i'm glad that we don't have to solve that problem because i think it's really hard and i think even the platforms try and say the, they try and pass the buck and say it's the government's problem they need to regulate it and then the, you know so i'm kind of glad in a way that because i think it's personally i think it's a society problem i think it's even bigger than that like why would you go out to create fake news and stuff like that so i think it's even beyond media but that's not to say that media doesn't have a you know you know like a, a, as a as a owner of a business who hires journalists you know what are we doing to make sure that our stuff is true right and um i think the the best way is just to be transparent about it like if you get it wrong if you make a mistake like you should just own up to it and you should just sort of correct it but i think it, it's a starting point of not setting out to deceive people and things like that you know it's not if, if you set out to uh create bots or to create lots of deep fakes or to uh manipulate or mislead and put loads of fake content up there then uh then that's not good but mm -hmm. if you don't if you intently never if you can look yourself in the mirror and go i never actually tried to intently uh lie online right like or to create something that i know is wrong just to mislead someone but knowing that there's going to be mistakes then i think that's a starting point yeah yeah i think it all, it has to do with like your agenda your personal intentions and we can't control people's intentions that's just how some individuals are so it it's really like how you personally choose to live your life personally choose to consume content to create content and it it has a lot to do with that and talking about media and how media can be used for good and bad how important do you think media is in talking about in fighting for social good in fighting for change um i know you were saying that you know love in dubai and and the whole love and brand is all, is mostly about mindset it's and it, and it's also about local news and things along those lines how important do you think is is this element of media as well um yeah it, it, again i think if, i think media and content is important in cause related things right like my brother has a comms activist agency in san francisco and they work a lot with media for cause related things over there with the largest ngos in the us so i'm very aware of how uh, the the ecosystem around cause related work works with media you know sometimes i'd be so so surprised to hear the backstory of how the front cover of time magazine came about and to know that that's related to uh, an ngo paying a comms agency finding that story uh, and all intents and purpose it's a very revealing story and it's very interesting uh, and it's not paid for but but there's there is a cause r around this right like and sometimes it's fighting big tech or sometimes it's fighting regulation and sometimes it's uh profile pieces for politicians or leaders or different things right so uh, again going back to that point of like understanding media and where things come from and how things sort of end up manipulating or persuading or whatever same with marketing uh but uh, you know uh, like it's interesting i i think not to blow our own trumpet and i don't I don't like doing this but i think uh some of the things that love in dubai has done over the eight years has helped people see things in a different way and i i remember 
you know, there were some stories that journalists did that were kind of cause related in other titles, um, whether it was for kind of say, let's let's say delivery drivers or something like this. And uh, you know, when if you do it with an intent that's kind of like fighting the system, or if you do it because you think it's injustice, mm-hmm. and you you have a disregard for your employers or the leadership or something like that then that's not the way to do it uh and now i i'm not saying that we set out to have any cause related we didn't but what we found was that the public just like they sent to the police and just like in the old school of the majlis or whatever the public would send a lot of content and you could feel the sentiment over the years of what people feel just like you know eight ten years ago if we did an article about like that uh, plastic bags are going to be charged for in a supermarket. No one would care. If we do it now, it'll be shared 10,000 times, right? So uh, you could tell that the city was mo- was becoming more environmentally aware yeah. just by the data and the feedback and the reaction of people. Yeah. And similarly, with understanding and being aware of different cultures and different ethnic groups and different societies and the disparity in incomes, we were, we were seeing this, right? We were seeing that people were sending us videos. If, if delivery drivers were slipping on the road or if... Uh, they were coming to the door and they were parched and they didn't have water, right? Or if some cafes were segregating people or others were being welcome and putting water up uh, for free, right? And by doing, say, 100 or 200 of those stories, uh, showing faces of people, like, I think that was a much more subtle way. And it was not intended not intended to be, but I, I think that it's definitely made us more of a one society yeah. and it's made us uh look people in the eye at the door smile see them as a human and say thank you you know and i think uh it sounds really like where i'm saying we, we did a lot but like uh and i hope no one listens to this because it sounds <laughs> like i'm bragging but like you know no. and, and i won't i won't cut this piece but it's but it's like you know the, you 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 know your question was around cause related and things like that but uh, you know, if you if you literally reflect society and reflect the good in humans and the good in people, then that can actually show uh, consumer media can actually celebrate good deeds, you know. And there will be a lot of trolls, there will be a lot of cynics, there will be a lot of critics. You know, anytime someone does something good and they send it to us, people say they faked it or they just want 50,000 dirhams for, for saving a cat or whatever, right? But like, but we actually see that there is a lot of good out there. So we try and celebrate it because that's the brand. Uh, but yeah. So you think the main, the right way to do it is to have the intention of celebrating the good rather than trying to target the bad? Yeah, I, I'm not a, I, again, like I going back, my worldview is about prosperity and, and capitalism and things like that. So I'm, I don't come from a, 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 a strong human rights advocate. Mm-hmm. Like I think we create our own, world like world. relatively i think you know i think yeah everyone's dealt to different cards but we've all dealt cards right we've all we've all relatively got oxygen so we you know we can all do something so it's just your outlook like glass half full glass half empty or whatever and uh so i so i'm not coming from it from a like cause related media human rights point of view or anything like that like i uh, so i think that helps me but and then have a little bit of a na- of a neutral view on some of these things to see how our platform or others sort of 
can be part of that society change. And that's why I think it's important. And sometimes it harms us. Sometimes it's stressful with some of the content we do. Sometimes it causes legal trouble. Sometimes it, it gets us less advertisers. But I, I don't think there's any point in media if you're not zeitgeisty, if you're not relevant, yeah. right? If you're not ask, if you're not being in the presence, you know. Uh, I remember someone someone saying to me, uh, like uh, when when a couple of years ago, when uh, there was there was like a you know there was a political change in in Afghanistan, and people were saying oh, you can't write about refugees. And I was kind of like, well, yeah, you can. Because, you know, I forget the exact figure, but there was, you know, the UAE brought in 10,000 people from Afghanistan and put them up and looked after them. And, you know, no one no one thought they could write. Well, why? Like, if, you, if you're setting out to write something negative, then don't write it like but if you but if you can find a good in that story right like is it especially what's happening now right like we put up some content about field hospitals being built in Gaza or uh humanitarian things happening and people are like that's not enough that's not enough and they're critical and we, like because of the sort of the governance and the media like we we don't let that those comments be there because it is it is good what's being done, right? And you have to appreciate that good. Yeah. In, in the worst possible situation that the world has faced in recent times, that is a good thing, right? And anyone who thinks it's not enough or not a good thing is just wrong, you know? So, yeah. So how do you find the balance of what to listen to and what not to listen to? Because you definitely do have to look into, like, what your audience is saying, right? But then how do you filter, like, how do you know what to filter out, what not to do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it, it starts with the sort of like, it has to be Dubai related. I love Dubai. Like on Smashy, we have Smashy Green for the environment, Smashy Gaming. So like, th it depends on how the brand is created and what the lens is. So you use those things, right? Smashy is supposed to be startup, be motivational quotes, whereas Lovin' is more what's happening in the city. Like mm -hmm. we say to our, our journalists, when they come in in the morning at 7, 8, 9 a.m., what was the city, what's happening each other last night about? And how can you tell that story within the media guidelines? How do you get that out in a contextual way, right? And then people will feel that we have the pulse of the city, right? So there's that. And mm -hmm. then it's like, uh, and then there's just some things like uh, in the past, uh, when tabloids were on, when newspapers were on shelves and people would pass by, the you know, that the slogan, the phrase around the editor of picking the headline of the front page was, if it bleeds, it leads, you know, so the more gruesome is on the front page because that catches the eye and that gets someone to pick it up and buy it, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the same now. I think if it bleeds, it gets cancelled. And, uh, you know, so we don't try and shock and all. We don't, like, there's plenty of horrible things that come in uh, in, from different countries in different cities. Like we've loved in 20 cities now across the region. And, you know, going back to the point about chasing page views, that's not what we're about. Not to say that like it's all about good news and only smiley happy thing. No, like there is some harsh truths and there's some reality, uh, but we're not just chasing the, the bleed part because if you do, I do think, uh, I, do, I do think that like people can call your bluff on it and go, we know what you're trying to do. You're trying to shock us just so you get page views. So we're going to cancel you and we're going to boycott you. So I think you need to be aware of the impact that you're having. And some of that stuff gets filtered out as well. Interesting. And you were talking about being canceled. And this has also been uh, a 
a huge thing that people have started to consider when posting content is cancel culture. What what is your viewpoint on on cancel culture? It's it's not actually being cancelled. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's funny. Like um, being cancelled. Like I think being cancelled is like two three weeks. I think that's what being cancelled is. Oh really? You yeah. Th- yeah. You think it's I don't think you get cancelled for like. It's you don't completely permanently get cancelled. No, I, I, it depends on your crime, right? But yeah, I think, of course. I think a lot of social media is fleeting, and I think a lot of it is like uh, people get triggered, people get caught up in emotions, uh-huh. and how you deal with it at that time. It can be stressful on you if you get cancelled, but uh, sometimes when people get cancelled, their career takes off because they get awareness. Yeah, uh, that's true. So, but um, no, I don't. I don't necessarily think that people get. I, when people are cancelled, I think it's got a time lapse on it mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. And I think you've got to own the narrative. You've got to, uh, if you're being cancelled for the wrong reason, you shouldn't reply to every troll, right? Like you should just sort of understand what's happening here. It's yeah. like crisis management. Like, and you should get out on your own voice and your own platform and say what it is that you, why, whether it's an apology or explain, um, and then try and understand the factors that went into that cancelling. And a lot of it is the temperature of the room of the, a lot of it is the timing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, when people are at, when people are at boiling points, then they will cancel anything. Right? True. <laughs> they will just, and it's loud. And it's, you know, it's literally like a, a, a pan with boiling water. Like that's what it's like. So, you know, so I, th- I don't think that that's the time to, like that's the time you're going to get cancelled. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, no, like it, it does, Um, also the people who get cancelled as well, like they're just people with, you know, they're just people with, they're being shouted out of the room, right? Like they're people who have emotions, have feelings as well, you know? Uh, but sometimes people are insensitive and they deserve to be uh, shot down and, you know, like not f- figuratively, they, they deserve to be told that they're wrong. And like, that's the great thing about social media as well. Um, but there's many times over the years where people have cancelled us over some things and we sort of, uh, we sort of take, we don't get triggered by it, as in we don't get precious on it. We take the heat, right? Whereas I think some influencers delete posts and hide away from it. Yeah. The only time that we really do that or turn off the comments is if it's if the comments are triggering society or they're um, or they're toxic or they're hate speech or they're against the leadership or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Then that's against the law, right? So we we turn off that and we block that. But that if people sense. are having a go on love in Dubai because they disagree or they don't like what they're seeing, yeah. Yeah, what we've posted is within the media guidelines, it's perfectly factual, but people just don't like it. And they go, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Right? I think there's double standards a lot there. So we, do, so we just take it on the chin. Like uh-huh. we, we get attacked and, you know, a week later, uh, we'll do something that they absolutely love. Okay. And then they'll be like, you know, some, sometimes we do st- stories about uh, uh, animals and like stray cats and things like that. And uh, a lot of people thank us so much and like shelters and uh, really appreciative. Like we might have done 99 positive stories and then we'll do one story of like uh, a dog dancing in a in a in a in a shop and in a, in a glass cage mm-hmm. and people will kill us. People will go. Uh, he's not. He's not dancing to the tune of the music. He's dancing because he's in a cage and he wants to get out. And we're like, well, yeah, okay, but this. This place who's selling who's selling animals, right, has a license 
and this place is regulated, so they're not actually doing anything illegal. You're just getting triggered by the emotion of that big video in your feed, and you're just having a go. And in 72 hours, you'll have calmed down, you know? <laughs> and this business will still provide homes for these dogs and for the society who wants to actually buy a pet in a regulated way with the right thing. And if that business is doing something wrong, we can trust that the municipality will shut them we'll down. Take the care of it. Yeah. yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, but like in the heat of that moment, we can feel like, oh my God, the world is going to cancel <laughs> us and the jobs and people that we have are going to be out of jobs because we posted a video of a dog dancing. But it wasn't dancing, it was scratching the glass because it wanted to get out, you know? Yeah, it's all about how you <laughs> react, I guess. And yeah. there will always be people who are there to hate. There will always be people who are there. I don't know, they have like a lot of emotions bottled up and then they express it in one way or the other, whether that's through comments when they f see a random video of a dog or whether that's through real life, I don't know. But there will always be people of that. So it's just how you react or or rather respond to that situation. True. Yeah. Um, thank you very much. The one hour has passed. Surprisingly, this flew by, to, in my opinion. Um, in the end, we give a little gift to our guests. So I have a little cute little As well gift. as the tea, as well as the yes, car. Yes, yeah. that's just, that's just. A prop, a but I drag it, isn't it? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a prop. The karak has always been there. Oh, wow. Thanks so, so much. This is just a little a gift from Feel Good Tea, so if you want, you can open it. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to introduce my partnership with Feel Good Tea. They're this amazing company that sells these beautiful tea boxes with a variety of tea flavors, which I'll showcase to you by opening this beautiful box. So as you can see, there's all these variety of flavors that are delicious and um, Feel Good Tea, they truly value the love for tea that we correct with Mehreen value as well. They, they love having tea. They love having conversations over tea. So because of this, I'm so excited for this partnership. And you can get this beautiful box too for you, for yourself or for your family or friends using this discount code on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a tea box. So there's lots of different tea spices. Uh, in here. Yeah. Uh, I, I, if you like tea, I hope I you do. do. Yeah. I do. I, I will go through one of them every weekend for the next few weeks. So, Yay, yeah, don't worry. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much for your time. This was Thank awesome. You. Do you want to take... We'll just cheese at the camera and then we'll take a picture. Okay. So, cheese. Cheese. <laughs> perfect. That was In good. the end, we do a little cheers. Cheers. Yay.